0: Welcome to the Turning Point Church podcast. We pray that this message takes root in your heart and bears fruit in your life. For additional messages and other resources, you can visit us at www.tpoint.church. I want to jump into this, this word this, this morning, and, and, uh, and I also want to acknowledge before we, before we jump in, Uh, First-time guests in the house. We're thrilled that you are here. We're thrilled that God led your steps. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's a it's it's a big deal uh, when when the Lord orders our steps into His house. Uh, We don't believe it's by accident. Not one bit. Um, We are uh, simply a community of faith that is and people who are looking for the fullness of God. That's it. and uh, we, are, we are people who are hungry for him. We are people who understand something. We need God, but we also need each other. God spoke it from the beginning. He, he looked at Adam and he said, it's not good for man to be alone. A man who had, in essence, everything. He had God himself and still said, this man needs somebody. And so it's important for us to understand that. That's who we are as, as a church. God has been so gracious to this family, to this church family, the miracles that have taken place over the years has just been incredible. If you're looking for a place to call home, we'd love for it to be this place. Absolutely. We'd love to, we'd love to get to know you. We'd love to, to run this race together. And uh, we believe God is doing something in the earth that is significant. And our, our request is that God, just let us be a part. Just let us be a part of this thing. Let us run with you. Let us be on the edge of what you're doing. And uh, I don't want to be reactive with God. I don't want to see everything else that's going on and be like, oh, I better catch up. No, I want to be right in the middle of what he's doing. I want to be right smack dab in the middle of what God is doing. I want to be in the middle of his will. My, My goodness. That's where the exciting stuff happens, right? It doesn't take faith to stay in the boat. I'm not just here along for the ride. Man, I'm here to go hang out with the guy who's walking on the water. He said, come on, man, come on. Jesus, if that be you, tell me to come on. Let's go, bro, let's walk. Let's walk this thing. Here's, let's let's do this from here on forward. I will do my best to be authentic and genuine before you this morning and just be myself and let God be God, and if y'all will do the same, we'll have an awesome time here this morning. If we'll, if we'll cast off the, the pretenses and the religious junk that comes with, with church, don't say, religion do not save anybody. Religion messes things up, amen? Jesus came and he was manifest to destroy the works of the evil. Lead us and guide us. Lord, we are all your available vessels in here. hallelujah, it's not just the responsibility of the platform or for those who have lanyards on. The responsibility is for all of us. We are all your yielded vessels this morning. Lord, and whether we're on the receiving end or the giving end this morning, Lord, we're your vessels. We're your vessels. Whether we're being poured into or whether we're pouring out this morning, God, we are your vessels. Make us vessels of honor. I just prayed, so everybody say amen. I want to bring everyone onto the same page, uh, Mr. Tim. If you could throw this up for me, uh, I want to start here in Acts seventeen twenty-eight because we 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 finished here last week. I want to continue to bring everybody onto the same page because God has been restructuring uh, our our vision, the things that we are looking forward to. How many all vision is a sense? It's one of the five senses. Vision it has to do with sight, what you're able to see. And so God has been reworking this. And, and I'm so appreciative to the Holy Spirit and for what he is, he is speaking. And here, here it is simply from Acts 17, 28. It says, the first part of the verse, it says, For in him we live and we move and we have our being. For in him we live, move, and have our being. So from this one verse, we draw three words. Y'all repeat it after me. Live. Move, be. One more time. Live, move, be. This is a vision for 2020 and and beyond, that in him I live and move and have my being. I believe that if the Lord should tarry, this will be the most significant decade in the history of the earth since the death and resurrection of Jesus and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. I believe that 2020 is a year in vision, a year of vision. Everyone's been, been talking about it. I've heard it from, from leaders and, and, and ministries. And 2020 is standard. It's the standard for vision. It's perfect vision. If you go to the eye doctor, what are they trying to get you to? 2020. Trying to get you to that vision. But I believe more than ever, this is not a year of talking vision. This is a year of accomplishing vision. It's, it's, it's not enough to talk about it. The only vision that matters is the vision of heaven and the vision of the kingdom. That's the only vision that matters. That means that we've got to be focused on what God is focused on. Paul told this to King Agrippa when he was given testimony before him. He said, I've not been disobedient to the heavenly vision. The heavenly vision makes all of the difference. You know, Jesus didn't even come to fulfill his own vision. Jesus did not come to fulfill his own dream. The enemy tempted Jesus, tempted him to take the dream into his own hands. He attempted to to bring the kingdom into his own hands, take the kingdom in his own hands. I've got to tell you, this is important for us because we have not been placed here to live or accomplish the American dream. Did you know that? Did we know this? You have not been placed on this earth to accomplish the American dream. We need to be rescued from that lie. The American dream, take evaluation, does not have eternal value to it. The American dream, in general, for most people, is to build wealth build homes, accumulate, get to a point where we have a secure retirement and be able to take it easy. The American dream is driven by the, by the achievement of comfort at the highest level. I think that's a pretty accurate way of, of, of defining the American dream. When it really comes down to it, listen, we believe in being blessed. How many of y'all believe in being Blessed. God is the blesser. He is a good father who gives good gifts to his children. Absolutely believe in being blessed and being abundantly blessed unto him who's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we can ask or think. But there is a separation from disciples who cried out to God and praised him in the middle of a prison, and they would have called themselves the most blessed people on the face of the earth. These are men who did not even call themselves worthy to be crucified or to be martyred the same way that Jesus did, and they were willing to give their lives, and it was an honor. It was the greatest blessing of their lives to lay themselves down for the cause of Christ. Men without complaint. Men without compromise. Men who loved Jesus. Who loved Jesus. Lord, you're going to have to help us this morning. The American dream is not the cause you've been created for. Here's what God is focused on. These are are things that we covered last week. I just want to bring everybody again onto the same page. It's good to repeat it and to reiterate it. He's focused on the harvest. Number one, he's focused on the harvest. God is focused on the harvest. Let him who has ears to hear, hear what the Spirit of God is saying to the church. John 4.35, don't you have a saying? It's still four months until harvest. Jesus said, I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest right now. Pharisees talked to, talk to Jesus, said, when the kingdom's coming. He said, don't you know kingdom's here, man? If the king is here, then so is the kingdom. In Mark 16, 15, he said to them again, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to all of creation. In other words, his focus is on the harvest. His focus is on the harvest. His focus is on making disciples, the other part of the Great Commission. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. When God begins to stir your faith, when God begins to to really work himself in your life, you start praying and you start asking God for things that don't really make sense. You start asking God for things that are bigger than you. Something that we've been praying for, and and, and we've, we've never prayed this before, but I thank God for the boldness of the Holy Spirit that we're believing that Rutherford County be safe for Jesus Christ. And sometimes we've been afraid to speak the things that, that God wants to accomplish. It's his will, his desire that none would perish, but that all would come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. That's his heart. That's his desire, including all of Rutherford County. Making disciples is not an option. Reaping the harvest is not an option. Pouring ourselves and the knowledge of Jesus into someone else it's the calling for all of us. Every single one of us are called. Here's another thing that he is focused on. He is focused on the next generation. He said, Don't forbid for the children to come to me. Let them come. For this is the kingdom. This is the kingdom. I'm not going to spend the time that we spent on it last, last week because I, I really focused on this, but but a selfish generation ignores and abandons the generation that is coming behind them. And in the last days, men will be lovers of self. I believe God for the outpouring of his Holy Spirit. I believe he wants to send a fresh outpouring upon his body. I believe that. I believe that. But I also believe that he is not going to waste the outpouring on people who just want to hoard the Holy Spirit and want to keep it in the church and want to feel good about the church that they attend and the services that they get to go to and all of that. When the Lord pours out his Holy Spirit, he changed the people in the room and then he changed the city. Since we just passed Valentine's Day, fire represents love, the fire of God. Between a couple, the fire is the passion, is it not? It's the love. We do what we can to keep the fire burning, keep the passion alive. The Father burns with love for us. Word even says that he becomes jealous when our attention is diverted from him. And so here's what I believe that God wants to do in the outpouring of his Holy Spirit. I I believe that through that, he's going to arm a people with the radical love of Jesus. Jesus was full of the Spirit. He went around doing good, didn't he? He also came and he, manifests, he was manifest to destroy the works of the devil. And because also of the Holy Spirit upon his life, he was the image of the Father in the earth, and it was that fire and that love that caused him to do the greatest work that he did, and that was to give himself on the cross. No, no greater love has any man than this, than what we just saw Jesus accomplish. No greater love. And that's going to be the difference maker. That's what we're going to be armed with is the love of God, the radical love of God. A people of God that are armed with radical love will reach this generation and connect them to the loving Father and prepare them for the coming of the Lord. It's a love that doesn't withhold a hug because they don't smell as good as you do. It's a love that doesn't dismiss them because they come in high. When we were when we were youth pastors, we had we had kids from all walks of life that would come in. We loved being youth pastors. Um, we're just recovering youth. Uh, the junior hires, the senior hires, always always loved it. Uh, we did that for nine years. There were times, and the thing is, is that it didn't matter. We had some that were off the street, and we had some that came up in good homes. But did you know that we saw at times, no matter what home that they came from, we saw at times where young people would come in high to a youth service. Their eyes be glassed over. Interesting thing is I just had a conversation a few months ago with one of the one of the young men. Now he's a young man and he's got a he's got a family of his own and and uh has has grown up and we were just we were talking. I was reconnecting with him, and I was just encouraging him to, to, to get on the path, right to to follow the things of God, go after God with all of his with all of his heart. And we and we started we started talking, and uh, and I said I said son, let me tell you something. I said there were there were times I I remember that you would come into youth service. And whether you knew it or not, I knew something was going on with you. He's like, P-Nate, what are you talking about? I said, I just want to let you know how much I, I love you, how much I love you, that it's the love of God in us toward them that makes all of the difference. It is that kindness. It is that compassion. Our war is not with flesh and blood. And I begin to talk to him some of these things. He's like, he's like, Pastor Nathan, I never knew that. I never knew that. Knew that you you knew. And there was a time of healing, of restoration. We prayed together. It was a beautiful thing. And the prompting of the Holy Spirit led that moment. But real, true love of God looks like a love that is compassionate, that is understanding. We said it just a few moments ago. The woman caught in adultery, can you imagine her embarrassment as she's standing before a community? She's been brought and thrown at Jesus' feet, and she's about to lose her life. And by the law, she should have lost her life. And Jesus says, Man. It's a love that doesn't get hateful because. No more. Are you kidding me? It's a love that doesn't get hateful because they found identity in sexual perversion. Not sure how to land on that one. Before you get hateful on the LGBTQ community or whatever the initials are, why has there been a rise of this voice in our nation? Because we have less fathers than we have ever had. Identity comes from the father. Study your biology. The gender is determined at the moment of conception by the Father. If you're wondering why there is confusion in this generation, it's because the enemy is the author of confusion. And the truth is, if you look back to it, he started seducing the men of this nation to draw them away into selfish indulgence. And so, therefore, we now have a generation that we've got to scratch our heads at. and I'm like, why in the world is this even a thought? Can't they see that this is just so backwards? Well, guess what? They can't see it. They can't see it yet. And as long as we continue to be hateful toward, toward men and women and those who are lost, we will continue to turn, turn them away from the love of God. We will continue the separation. Think about this. Jesus, this is Bible now, Jesus was tempted in all ways, such as we are, yet was without sin. Tempted in all ways. You know what that says? That the enemy tempted him with everything. Everything. Even to take his love for a disciple past the boundary that it should have been. He was tempted in every single way, but he proved it. That by the power of the Holy Spirit, we can withstand that temptation. Is this too hard to talk about this morning? Are we okay? We're all on the same page. If we're going to stand strong against one thing and be on a position in one thing, shouldn't we be that way across the board? If sin is really sin. Statistically, the number one issue in the American church is, is pornography. So, why should we be confused? at the confusion of this generation who can't decide what, what, what sex is all about, what, what it should look like, who it should be with. You say, how in the world did we get there? Well, we can look back to see how we got there. This isn't a doom and gloom thing. This is that there is hope for every single one of us. And there's, if there's hope for the junk in our lives and the things that we've walked through and the things that we've sinned against God in, if there's hope for us, there absolutely is hope for every single other person who's out there who needs God. No matter where they're at. No matter where they're at. Moms and dads, let me talk to you here a minute. Moms and dads, doesn't your heart break the exact same no matter what kind of sin or what kind of trouble that your kid is in? Isn't it the same? Isn't it the same no matter what? I didn't know I was going to spend the kind of time on this, but there are some things that we are going to have to write our thinking and write our heart because if we really come in alignment with God, Love covers a multitude of sins. Not your stink eye. Oh, what do you think they're doing? I believe this generation has so much potential, that's why the enemy has worked so hard to steal it. A thief always goes after the things that valuable thief breaks into your home he ain't going after the cheap stuff he's going after the good stuff it's it's thievery 101 and he always tries to steal at the most vulnerable and the weakest moment. That's why he goes after the next generation before they become men and women, before they can develop into men and women of God. He wants to get them at a young age. He even tried to take out Jesus when he was young. Remember, he told Joseph the Spirit of God was showed up in a dream to Joseph and said, You need to take this child, take your wife, and you need to get to Egypt. Because the enemy's coming after the, the enemy always wants to steal the seed. Because if he can kill it in its infant state, it will never mature into the harvest of God. It will never become the fruit that God intended for it to be. Everybody still together? Are we good? Remember, we used the passage last week from 1 Samuel chapter 30. I'm not going to read it all, but the end of that. This was the story of when David and his and his army, his small army of 600, came back from a battle to find that they had come back to Ziklag and that everything had been stolen from them. Their wives, their 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 sons, their daughters, everything had been taken. And bottom line is this, they went after them halfway along the way. Some of them were too tired, couldn't continue, so so David only took 400 of them instead of all 600. And then it said at the end of that passage that David recovered everything the Amalekites had taken, including his two wives. Nothing was missing, young or old, boy or girl, plunder or anything else that had been taken. David brought everything back. And I believe that's what God is calling us to do during this time. As for the children, the young people, and the young adults of this community, the harvest, we're going to go get them. We're going to go get them. Man, it just feels good to say it. God, we're going to go get them. We're going to go get them. So live, move, be. Live, move, be. It's an action statement. We are the church of acts, taking action. Live speaks to fullness. I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Move speaks to purpose. Purpose. Move with the Spirit. Those who are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God, which brings us to be. Be speaks of identity. We are the sons and the daughters of the living God. The most privileged and honored position on the face of the earth to be sons and daughters of God. So this is what we're here to do. We're here to communicate. We are actively and fully living out our purpose as sons and daughters of God. I believe this is the life vision. In him I live and move and have my being. It all starts with Jesus. It's in him. It's time to stop, stop talking about what God can do and start doing what he said he could do. I believe the Lord's coming to a place where he's he he's not going to tolerate the games anymore. Does anybody else get sick of the own, your, your own games? Yeah. We have enough Holy Spirit to be Pentecostal, but not enough to be normal. Normal according to the book of Acts. Normal according to the New Testament. We have enough to be Pentecostal, but not enough of the Holy Spirit to be Biblical. We've created these safe zones. If the goal was to come out from among them and be ye separate, we've accomplished that. We've accomplished it so much that we've barricaded ourselves. We've barricaded ourselves from possible rejection we've barricaded ourselves and we have blocked ourselves in from possible persecution and we have missed lord forgive us we have missed the life that god has called us to we've missed we've missed this incredible aspect of who we're supposed to be sons and daughters of God. He said something so important. It's better to give than to receive. It's better to give than to receive. That's why we encourage serving the way that we do. You will always be a happier person when you're pouring out than when you're receiving. Always. It's better to give than to receive. Jesus said, I come to give you an example. We've created these safe zones. I want to I I read this passage. If, you, if y'all will stay with me. Y'all have been so patient this morning. You're doing fantastic. Thank you for hearing my heart. Also, 1 Samuel chapter 17. You can go there quickly. If you can get there quickly. Come on, you got 10 seconds. Bible drill. Ready? Go. Oh, phones aren't fair. That's, that's just no fair. They didn't have that ability when, when we used to play that when we were kids. We had to have our sword and we had to be ready to go. We had to find it. Hey, Siri, where's First Samuel chapter 17? Oh, no, I actually turned, no, stop, 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 stop. I need my message. We off script from here on out, folks. We're going to start with verse 20. First Samuel 17, starting with verse 20. So David arose early in the morning and left the flock with a keeper and took the supplies and went as Jesse had commanded him. And he came to the circle of the camp while the army was going out in battle array, shouting the war cry. cry. And Israel and the Philistines drew up in battle array, army against army. Then David left his baggage in the care of the baggage keeper and ran to the battle line and entered in order to greet his brothers. He left his baggage where the baggage belongs and ran to the battle line. Mm. Hmm. God's so cool. Verse 23. And he was talking with them, meaning he was talking with the soldiers, and behold the champion... The Philistine from Gath named Goliath was coming up from the army of the Philistines, and he spoke these same words, the same he had been doing for the last 40 days. David heard him. When all of the men of Israel saw the man, they fled, for they were greatly afraid. And the men of Israel said, have you seen this man who is coming up? Surely he is coming up to defy Israel. And it will be that the king will enrich the man who kills him with great riches and will give him his daughter and make his father's house free in Israel. David was excited about this, verse 26. Then David spoke to the men who were standing by him and saying, what will be done for the man who kills the Philistine? Say that again. And takes away the reproach from Israel. For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should taunt the armies of the living God? you got to love this story, y'all. And the people answered him in accord with his word, this word, saying, this will be done for the man who kills him. Verse 28, now his brother Eliab, his older brother, oldest brother, heard when he spoke to the men, and Eliab's anger burned against David, and he said, why have you come down? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know your insolence and your wickedness and the wickedness of your heart, for you have come down in order to see the battle. But David said, What have I done now? Was it not just a question? Then he turned away from him to another and said the same thing, and the people answered the same thing as before. Let's stop there. But David said, What have I done now? And the New King James Version says this, and this is where I want to put a pin this morning. And he says, Is there not a cause? Is there not a cause? The greatest cause on the face of the earth is Christ. Running marathons for cancer, good cause. Standing and and supporting that we adopt children, excellent cause. Believe that? There are some in our family who have done that. Praise the Lord. The greatest cause on the face of the earth is Christ. Is Christ. Is Jesus Christ. Fear had gripped the hearts of the Israelite army until David shows up on the scene. No one's there to volunteer, and one young man, one young man, hear this before, before we go on, never underestimate the influence you have. One person, one person, because one young man stands up and defies this giant believes God will help him. Young man runs toward the battle line. We're not going to read the rest of it. but Runs toward the battle line, slings the stone. and The stone is hurled so hard, the word says that it sinks into the giant's forehead and he immediately falls. And David goes up and finishes the job with Goliath's own sword. He's going to make sure this thing doesn't get back up. It's not enough just... It's not enough just to sling the stone. Got to make sure that thing never gets back up. Make sure it never gets back up. Make sure that there's not a chance for that thing to live again. Are you hearing this? Are you hearing this? These are the things that God gives us the victory in our lives. I want, I want to give you this example. Um, I don't know if you've ever read this, this, this book, but there's a book by J.R. Tolkien called Lord of the Rings. You may be familiar with it. There was a, a movie that was that was made for, from that book uh, several years ago, uh, and I want to I want to give you a, a a recalling of of an account uh, that is happening. This is happening in the uh, in, in, in the two towers, the middle section, and that is Feodorin, uh, who is king of Rohan, and Rohan is the is the home of the of the horse of the horse lords. And this king, he had been bound to a sleep like trance. and and had become a pawn of evil in his own kingdom. He had fallen under wickedness, the spell of the enemy, and the king, because of this trance, he could not see the reality that was going on around him. You know, the interesting thing is that when we're sleeping, we become comfortable with the darkness. In fact, when we're sleeping, we prefer it to be dark. That's why we must let the lord's light shine that's why we must arise from our slumber and from our sleep because as long as we stay in a sleepful state church we will actually prefer the darkness because we've gotten so comfortable with it his commander reported the evil that is in the land but he wouldn't listen listen to what listen his commander comes to him this this king is sitting on his throne he's in a sleepful state And he says this to him. He said, evil is roaming freely across our lands. It is unchecked, unchallenged, killing at will. This is the report he brings to the king. We must be sober and be vigilant because the devil goes about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He would not hear. The king would not hear. Once the spell was broken and he awoke, he found that there were losses that had occurred during this trance, during this time. The enemy didn't stop there. The enemy kept approaching. And when the news came that this was happening, the king was still reluctant. Even though he was being encouraged by the council around him to ride out and to meet the enemy, to stand and to fight, to advance, the king could not muster the courage to do so. And this was his statement. Church, hear me. His statement was, I will not risk open war and bring further death to my people. There was a man in the council, his name in, 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 in the series and in the book is Aragon. He's one of the council and he's the future king himself. He speaks up and he says this, open war is upon you whether you would risk it or not. He said an army is against you that has been bred for one purpose and that is to destroy the world of men. Instead of facing the enemy, King Theoden elected to flee and take his people to a walled-in fortress and play defense. And the losses were significant. The losses were significant. I want you to hear me, church, because this is is very important for us, this thing that, that we are in. I'll say again, our war is not with flesh and blood. But with wickedness, evil authorities in high places, evil spirits in the heavenly realm, that's not J.R. Tolkien. That's the Bible. That's the Bible. It's not a fantasy. It's the reality. It's the reality that we're in. Do you know that passage, a war is not with flesh and blood? Do you know where that passage sits? It sits right there in the middle where God starts to talk about the armor of God. Why in the world would we need armor if there wasn't a fight to fight? Why in the world would he supply all of that armor if it wasn't something that he wanted to us to accomplish? If there wasn't something that, warfare is all, we have to learn to fight. But here's the thing, here's the thing. I know it's easy for us guys, man. We, we, when we start talking about fight, we're like, yeah, it's time to go out. It's time to punch the devil in the face. And that doesn't mean punch people in the face. That's, that's not what that means. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. To the pulling down of strongholds. Meaning what we can accomplish in prayer, what we can accomplish in praise. Oh, man, oh, man, oh, man. My goodness. What we can accomplish by releasing the gifts of the Holy Spirit—live, move, be. Live, move, be. I've been watching some of, some of Reinhard Bonnke, and he passed away just just this last just this last year. Reinhard Bonnke, incredible man of God. Tens of millions of people that came to Jesus Christ because of this man's ministry and because of his effect, effectiveness all around the globe. And there are things, man, I I wish I would have I wish I would have found from him sooner. But now that he's gone, everybody's bringing forth all of this stuff that, that says, and Reinhardt said this, and Reinhardt did this, and all this kind of thing. And there's something that, that God has been that God has been, been been showing me and speaking through this man, even though this man is gone. There was one time that he brought in a a a, a healing evangelist. And because he said, God, we need healing in the church. We need we need healing to be taking place. And so he brings in this healing evangelist. This is when he was still a pastor in Germany. He brings in this healing evangelist. This healing evangelist shows up there for the first meeting. There's 10 minutes going on. They had just gotten into the praise and worship. Ten minutes, the guy turns to him and he says, Close down the meeting. Ron Harbaki looks at him and says, No, I'm not closing down the meeting. He said, Close down the meeting. And the Spirit of the Lord is telling me, close down the meeting. Close down the meeting. He said, What? I'm not going to close down the meeting. I brought you here to pray for the sick and for the sick to be healed. He said, no, just, just close down the meeting. I'm not going to do it tonight. He said, I will close down the meeting. under Tomorrow night we will come back, and you will pray for the sick. The man said, okay, fine, we'll do it. Next night comes. He shuts down the meeting. Next night comes. The man, Ron Harbonki, they're about to start service, and there's no sign of the man that he brought in, the man that he paid to come in and to, and to minister to, to the people. And he said, God, where is this guy? He's trying to call him. He's trying to get a hold of him. Nothing. The guy is a no show, have no idea where he's at. And Reinhard Bonnke, as a pastor, there are hundreds of people who are waiting in this church. Reinhard Bonnke is out in his car, and he's calling out God. He said, "God, what in the world?" Of course, he's doing it in this like rich German accent, which like just shakes the foundations of hell every time he talks. But God, why have you not come? I've sent for this man, and he's not here. He's not even showing up. And he and he's praying there for like fifteen minutes, and then finally he just he just threw his hands on the dashboard, and he said, "God, fine." He said, "I will preach." And I will pray, and you will do the miracles. Do you feel faith just coming to the room right there? I can't heal anybody. But I can preach, and I can pray, and God can do the miracles. You can preach. You can pray. You can live, move, be. And God will do everything that you can't. He's just looking for somebody who will dare to believe him, who will dare to have faith. He's just looking for somebody who will step out on the water for a second and trust that in this area of unknown, maybe God will do something. Maybe. How many of you need healing in your body? Raise your hand very quickly. Raise your hand. Come on. In Jesus' name. Everyone who doesn't need healing in their body, stretch your hands towards somebody right now. Stretch your hands towards somebody right now. Lord, we will preach and we will pray that in the name of Jesus, we pray the healing anointing of Jesus Christ to come upon everybody in this room that needs healing head to toe. Lord, we thank you, your healing lungs. Lungs, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, that the lungs be clear. In the mighty name of Jesus, there will be no... In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Come on, just stare to believe. It's it's him. It's in, his, it's in his name. Let's just be faithful to pray. You don't even have to be fancy with it. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Migraines. Lord, thank you. You're healing constant and consistent migraines, and you're healing them today in Jesus' name. We believe you for it, God. You are the healer. You have not changed. You have not changed your mind about healing. The stripes that you bore on your back are still for our healing. That power has not diminished. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Bless you, Lord. Bless you, Lord. Now, come on. Let's thank him. Let's just thank him for what he's doing. Come on. Thank him. Thank you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, come on. A little more, please. Yes. Thank you, Jesus. 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 I encourage you to thank Him. Even if you're in a state where you can't feel anything, I encourage you to thank Him because Jesus did miracles where people got healed on the way. If they would have just been faithful to the Word, remember, they were healed along the way. Go show yourself to the priest, and while they were on the way, they got healed. They were healed. They were healed. healed. Naaman, go dip in in the river a few times. Go dip seven times. Go dip seven times. Just be obedient to the Word of the Lord. Hallelujah to God. Thank you, Jesus. 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 You see, because God is his people, his people. He is activating his people. He's activating his people. The same Jesus that I have and that I'm talking about is the same Jesus that you have. Same Holy Spirit, same power. (laughs) It's not more because I get to hold the microphone. Lord, let us walk in victory. Mm. It's time, church, for us to stop playing defense. And it's time for the offense to get the ball. It's time for the offense to get the ball. The Super Bowl was a few weeks ago they interviewed one of the defensive guys of the team that won. He said, our job as a defense is to get the ball to our offense. That's the job. As a defensive player, to get the ball to the offense. Because if we don't advance against the enemy, if we don't score points, we don't win a game. We don't win. If we If we don't take territory, we don't win the game. Just a couple more moments. Come on, we're almost there. We're almost there. Holy Spirit comes to empower us to be witnesses. We're going to go like David. We're going to step out of the safety of our camp, and we're going to go into the enemy's camp. Remember in Matthew chapter 5, he says this, that a city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. He said, let your light shine before men in such a way that it may see your good works and glorify the Father who is in heaven. It's time for action. It's the hour of action. There's a call to action. It is time to be activated. We've played defense long enough. It's time to go on offense. Even when people who desire peace of God, when we get pushed enough by the enemy, there's a time that we respond, that in Jesus' name, we take back what the enemy has, has, has stolen. Here's what we're going to do. One other thing that God has given me for this year, and I want to tell you about it very quickly, and that is equipping. God is equipping his people. He's equipping. You know, in Ephesians chapter 4, Paul describes that Jesus gave these to the church. He gave gifts to the church. Apostles, prophets, teachers, evangelists, okay? He gave all of those to the church to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. And so we are taking on a fresh effort to equip. To equip. Here's some things that we're going to be doing in this year. Children, youth, and young adult ministries, we're going to pour resources and energy into these precious ones that they will be able to stand before God unashamed. We're going to do everything that we can to reach this next generation. How many are down for that? We're going to do it. We're going to do it. They're the church now. They're the church now. A part of that, something that we've been working on for uh, a couple of years, we'll just some vision things for you. One of the things that we're going to be, to be setting our heart to and that we will launch this year is a Parents' Day Out program that we will be reaching. This is a community outreach. We're going to reach these children and their parents. Remember we talked about last, last week the, uh, the attention deficit that our children are facing. They want to be looked at the way we look at our phones. They want to be looked at. They want their eyes, our eyes to lock with them. Every single time our kids look to us and they're searching for our eyes, they're searching for some kind of affirmation. They're searching for some kind of encouragement. They're searching for something that speaks life. They're they're searching for something that shows the Father. I have a uh, sister Pastor Pastor Angie, a few months ago, we, we, we moved positions around. Pastor Tyler and, and his wife Madison, they moved to, to the to the children's pastor position. Uh, pastor Angie became the director over children's ministries. That is partly why we made the move because she has been working on the forefront of this ministry for a, a time now, and now we're going to move into it. But she is a woman. Uh, my mom as well. There are some of you others in here as well. You spent time and have served in the daycare industry, and that is a sad industry. Because parents are constantly looking for someone to push their kids off on. They are looking for someone who will take the responsibility. Well, we're going to be there for those kids. It broke my heart when they started talking to me what things really look like in daycare. And here's the truth is that there's not, there's not enough teachers. There's not enough people to help. And so you've got these daycares that are overrun. All of this, this is ministry to this community because we are going to teach those kids, whether they go to this church. In fact, most of them ain't going to come from this church. They're going to come from outside. And we're going to minister to them. And we're going to teach them the things of God. And we're going to see this generation saved. We're going to minister to them. but we're going to minister to the parents as well. And we're going to reach out. It's a practical thing that we're going to do. This is what else we are going to provide. We're in the process of working on this. Uh, Miss, Miss Leah, she's not here today. Her and, 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 and Pastor Johnny and, and his wife, they're doing revival services in Mississippi. She's doing some incredible services there this week. But she's been working on this as well. And that is we're putting in place an intern program allowing people to explore their ministry callings that we will, that we will see expand into deployment of ministry. We're doing it in-house, and we're being intentional about it, being intentional about it for missions. I'm going through these quickly because we'll talk more of these in the months and, 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 and times to come. Missions, local missions, increased involvement, community outreach partnerships. Uh, we've, been, we've been friends uh, with, with Portico, which is a, a ministry to uh, moms and, and, and dads and those who, who who find themselves in a position where they're trying to make a decision about whether or not to keep the child. This is an important ministry. There are great resources that they make available. They will have conversations with them. And man, they do a wonderful job in our community giving the life, the life side of the argument that says there is a precious life inside of you and it is worth it. It is worth it for your life. It is worth it for the life of that child. We're increasing on that international missions, missionary support. Praise God, we have been ever every year increasing our, our, our ministry and our supporting of missionaries who go all across the world. Just last year alone, we increased our missions budget. We picked up full-time every single month six more missionaries. From the, from the time that we made the transition, we have been gaining missionaries every single year. We almost are to the goal where every assembly of God missionary in the state of Tennessee is being supported by Turning Point Church. Within the next two years, we will be there. We will be there. But here's the second part. Here's the second part. Is that we're actually going to put, for a military term, we're going to put boots on the ground. And that means missions, trips as a church. That we're going to incorporate how many of you have ever been on one mission trip before? Let me see your hand. How many of you have ever changed by a mission trip? If you, if you cross the border of this country and into the rest of the world, you will find out how blessed that we are. You'll find out real fast. It's a shock to the system. We're going to do it. I said last week, I mentioned about this, but, but it's time for us to send out search parties. No longer have pity parties, but for us to send out search parties. See, search parties when someone is lost, friends and family get together to go after the one that's lost. We're gonna go find them, we're gonna go find them, we're gonna go after them. We're gonna do everything in God in the God's power that has been given to us to see the lost, saved, delivered, set free, baptized, filled with the Holy Spirit. Yes, everything that God has for us. We're gonna see it happen. There's also something that we're going to be getting this to begin in in, in, in March. You're gonna you're gonna love being a part of what's going to happen from March all the way to Easter. We are going to enter into a series uh, as a church. We've been planning it out. The Holy Spirit has been leading us and guiding in this, guiding us in this, and it is going to equip us like never before to tell our story. to tell our story. there's one story that you don't have to fake. There's one story that you can tell that they didn't have to teach to you in an evangelism class. And it's the story of what God has done in you. That story, that one story, that's all I'm going to say about it for right now, but it's going to be an incredible time. Why? Because it's time to be equipped for the works of ministry. We're going to see it happen. We're going to see it happen. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Turning Point Church. To stay connected, we invite you to subscribe to this podcast and follow us on social media. If you're in the Middle Tennessee area, we'd love for you to join us for a Sunday or midweek service. God bless you and have a wonderful week.